I've got a message this morning that God began to deal with my heart about last Thursday. And uh, as I was coming before I before going to work, I come in here and spend a couple of hours just in prayer and, and studying the Word, and, and God began to speak something to me that, that sounded strange at first, and then I began to understand it, and I want you to understand the Word today, and I want you to grab hold of this, and one of the, I, let me just throw this out there, don't waste the pain, don't waste the pain. Our lives are not guaranteed to be easy and calm. We have enemies, like I preached last Sunday. Sometimes you got to plant yourself in the middle of the possessions that God has given you and say, no, not today. You're not taking the blessings of God out of my life. You're, gonna, you're not going to take this away from me. And so when we, when we look at that and we, under, you know, we, we thank God, why are you allowing this? Why... I just, I just want to make some blanket statements here. We just got through singing a song that, that is real inspiring. Blow, mighty breath of God. Blow, mighty breath of God. Let the fire fall. And we sang those, uh, you know, and, and we, we have this fantasy of it that when the wind of God blows and the fire falls that it's real exciting and everything. Well, I got to tell you, the wind of God has one purpose, and that's to blow the chaff out of your life. Amen. It's a deliverance. It's to blow the chaff out of our lives. Sure, it brings feeling. You know, the wind of God came in the upper room and filled the place where it assembled, and it filled them. But I got to tell you something. They just got through spending 10 days in the threshing floor of, of intercession and prayer, being cleansed and delivered and set free. And that wind come along and blew the chaff out of that room, and the fire of God came down and consumed the sacrifice that have been given. We, we've got to understand something today. You're not going to get closer to God without, without going to the threshing floor. The things of God come through the threshing floor. Let's, let's look this morning in, in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 22. <clears throat> I'm going to try, God's going to help my voice. I'm going to be able to speak today. Book of Luke, chapter 20, <clears throat> 22. Verse, start with verse 24. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be the younger as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves for who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as, as the one who serves. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on, on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked, you, asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. This, this 
discourse took place right after Jesus talked about that one of you is going to betray me, and they began to try to figure out who that was, and somehow that led into a discussion of who was going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. I mean, they went from somebody's going to betray me to who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Isn't, isn't human nature amazing? Amen. We're always, we're always concerned about that which is not important. Amen. We, we deal with surface when, when depth is where we need to be. Amen. We, 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 we many times all we see is the surface of life, but we don't see the cause behind it. I'm, I'm kind of a strange person, I, and I say that because I've had a lot of people tell me that. But I see, I see beyond the surface and things. I see underneath the surface. And that's where, I, that's where I see all the time. That's where I look. I don't see actions. I see the cause of actions. I don't, I don't just see behavior. I, I see the things be beneath the behavior. And when you're able to, when you're able to do that, a lot of times you, you live in a world where, where you're, you're, you don't see things like everybody else. You don't see the surface. You see things in a much deeper uh, way you understand humanity. You understand what makes people tick. You understand what what causes things to happen. You're able to you're able to see that that um, that depth. You're able to see things uh, through observation that that you normally uh, don't don't see. You know that you, you learn to do that. God trains you in it. God God helps you to see those things. Revelation helps you to gain knowledge that is otherwise unattainable to your natural mind. You can't see it in the natural, you know. And and I those they have those things of uh, you know. Uh, can you see the difference? You know, you've seen those pictures on Facebook. They're always posting this stuff on Facebook, and they have a whole bunch of pictures. Can you pick out the difference in the pictures? I can always find it within seconds. I mean, it's just it's just obvious to me. It becomes very obvious. And, and, you know, it doesn't take me just a couple of seconds to find that stuff. And the reason is because that's where I live. I live in, I live in noticing that which is not obvious. And when, when, you're, when you do that, then you begin to see the nature of humanity. And here the, the disciples are going from a place of, of uh, Jesus saying, one of you is going to betray me to deciding who is going to be the exalted and great one in the body of Christ? You know, who, and obviously Peter was doing a really good job of, of convincing everybody that he was the one. And the reason I say that is because in the middle of all this, you know, after Jesus gets to talking about servanthood, he just immediately says, Simon, Simon. That tells me that Simon was doing a real good job arguing his case for being the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. Now that would be a, a scary thing. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. In other words, take you to the threshing floor and see how much grain is in you and how much chaff is in you. And and Jesus made a, a strange statement. This is what caught my attention. The Holy Spirit said, what was it that Jesus prayed about? He didn't pray that it stop. He didn't pray that it not happen. I mean, Jesus had insight into this thing and had even been approached by the enemy to ask for, to, to be able to sift 
Simon Peter, like we. And Jesus said, I have prayed for you, not that it not come, but that your faith fail not. And then after that, he said, and when you come back to me. See, Jesus understood our nature. He understood the way we are, the way we think. And he said, when you come back to me, strengthen your brethren. In other words, you're going to have a strength. After this is all finished, you're going to have a strength that is going to be needed. Amen. I want us to look at all of this and realize that there are progressions in the kingdom of God. There are promotions. When we talk about being filled with the Spirit, it's not going to come without the threshing floor. We're, the blessing is at the threshing floor. We're, we we want to avoid all that, and yet we can't. As children of God, the, the church has always tried to find the shortcut. We always try to find the easy way. We always try to find something that's not going to cost us anything, something that's free and cheap. You know, we, we, we want a bargain. But God doesn't have any bargains except for the fact that Jesus paid it all, and you get to accept that. But let me tell you something. you got to lay down yourself to get it. You can't, you can't have a 25% off bargain on, on you get to keep 75% of yourself and, and, you know, and, and have all the benefits of God. You know, the, the, the bargains. My, my wife loves bargains. I mean, she is a bargain hunter. And, and it's amazing to me the, the, way, the things that she comes up with, you know, the, with bargains. You know, she, I, I don't know how she does it. I she goes to these thrift stores and comes home with brand new, brand new clothes, still got the tags on them for just a couple of dollars. I walk in those thrift stores, and all I see is a bunch of junk that needs to be hauled off. I mean, I can't stay in there. I walk in there, and I, I, you know, I try to be a good husband, so I, I'll sometimes just out of the goodness of my heart, on my time off, I will take her to a thrift store, and I walk in the front door, and as soon as I walk in the front door, I start feeling like I can't breathe. It's cluttered. It's a mess. Nothing's coordinated. See, I, I, I like things coordinated. I like patterns. I don't like messes. And when I walk into a store, this is, this is the way I like to shop. I like to walk into a store where everything, where all the same colors are in, the, in one row, you know, and, and it's all laid out, where I can go and I can see it. I can, you know, I'm, I'm not a good hunter in the natural, but when it comes to stuff like that, I am a hunter. I go in, I hunt it, I shoot it, I bag it, and I'm out of there. That's the way I like to do it. I don't like to mess with stuff. And she can go in there, and she's a treasure hunter because in that mess, in all that stuff, that to me, I just see, I just see a bunch of junk that's going to take up space, you know, and, and you know, why, why did anybody give, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she goes, she comes out with these brand new clothes. And she'll tell me, she'll say, this is, this is, this, she brought me a pair of shoes home the other day. 
and they were like brand new. And, and she said, these are $400 shoes. I said, nobody will pay $400 for shoes. She said, yeah. She said, she said, I got the price tag. These are $400 shoes. And she got them for like $8.95. And I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, they're only worth $8.95. Who in the world would pay $400 for these things? You know, I just, that kind of stuff, just, I don't understand. But she's a bargain hunter. But when it comes to the things of God, there is no bargain. You can't go in and negotiate a price with God. You have to go to the threshing floor. If you're going to have the things of God, you've got to go to the threshing floor. You've got to go to the place of sifting, and there, there's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard. It's going to, we, we think that it's costing us when it's actually delivering us. I don't understand why we, our mentality is that, that it's costing us to live for God. No, it's not costing you. You are being set free to receive the greatness of God. Amen. I'm going to try to preach this in the way that I got it. But Simon Peter had to go to a place of sifting. This is the same Simon Peter that not long before Jesus declared that thou art the rock. <laughs> you know, you are Simon Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, the uh, rock is, is uh, Petra, and he said, you're going to be, um, I can't remember how it's pronounced, but anyway, it means a piece of the rock. You're going to be a piece of the rock in the kingdom of God. And, you know, Peter is... is um, you know, enjoying that. The excitement of the declarations of God are many times short-lived, and this is why many of us never attain to the things of God is because the excitement is quickly replaced with the threshing. And when the threshing starts, we back up and say, God, I can't believe you did this to me. I can't believe that you're. this is happening. I can't believe what God is saying was... What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm getting you ready so that you can walk in the fullness of this. I'm setting you free. <clears throat> Praise God. I'm going to be able to get air through these things. The release of blessing will always come through a time of sifting or threshing at the threshing floor. I want us, I want us to read about David in... Uh, if I can find it here. In First Chronicles, the book of First Chronicles, chapter 13. I didn't even I didn't even put this in my notes, but I know where it's at. First Chronicles chapter 13. David decided to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. And he said, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a good thing. And he got the elders together and all the people, and he said, we're all going to gather together from everywhere. We're going to come together, and we're going to bring the ark of God back to uh, Jerusalem. And so they set out to do that. But the problem is, is David, in his, in his hurry, didn't consult 
the priest or anybody of how the ark should be handled, he's going to go get the presence of God and we're going to have a party. That was his attitude. If we're not careful today, we have that attitude. We, we're not careful how we, how we treat the presence of God. We're not careful how we do things. And, but, you know, and, and anytime, anytime you, you try to uh, help people understand that, they immediately start hollering legalism, legalism, legalism. Today, anything that costs or anything that has regulations is legalism. I got to tell you something. It's legalism is about when you take things that, are, that you esteem personally as above the Word of God and you try to impress that upon everybody else. That's legalism. That's control and legalism. But when we understand the things of God, we understand that there are ways to go about things. Amen. There are ways to move in the presence of God. There are ways to treat the presence of God. I, I thank God he is, he is my Father. I mean, He is my he, he is my loving heavenly Father, and He blesses me, and He walks with me, but I still walk in absolute respect before my Father. I will not be disrespectful in any way. It's not because I think He's just going to slap me down if I, if I don't, but it's because I want, I want to walk in a place of respect. I want to walk, I want to treat God in the way that He should be treated because of who He is. Amen. Not because he requires it of me, but because I want to. I want to give that to him. I want to walk in that in that respect. Now David built a new, built a cart and loaded it on a cart, and you know he thought that was a good idea. It had poles through it. The priests were supposed to carry it on their shoulders, and and David uh, built a new cart. You know, and he put it on the cart, and and they're going along, and now everything's going good until they got to the threshing floor of. Of Uzzah, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Uzzah, Uzzah. I'm glad my name's Tim. <laughs> hey, Uzzah. And so they, and then David and all Israel played music before God in verse 8 with all their might, with singing and harps and stringed instruments on tambourines and cymbals with the trumpets. And when they came to, the, to uh, Chidon, threshing floor, Uzzah, I guess he's the one that did wrong. Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark for, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark, and he died before God. Now, this is the presence of God, and you don't mess with the presence of God. That's why, that's why the blood of Jesus is so important for us today. We can enter into the holy place and enter into his presence through the blood of Jesus, but only because of the blood. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we couldn't do it. We couldn't survive. We couldn't be there. We couldn't live in that atmosphere. But because of his blood, because of the covering of the blood of Jesus, we are able to go into the presence of God and, and, and not die. Amen. We're able to be touched with the power of God and not be destroyed. That's, that's amazing. That's the grace of God. And so when that happened, David became angry because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is, is called today Perez Uzzah to this day, which simply interpreted means the outbreak against Uzzah. David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God to me? So David would not move the ark 
with him into the city of David, but took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, and the, the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in, in his house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom all and all that he had. See, the blessing of the Lord is in the threshing floor. This might be hard to understand, but the blessing of the Lord is in the place of threshing. And a lot of us see that as a bad thing, and we see that as God being mean to us or punishing us, but what it is, it's a place of deliverance. It's a place of enlargement. It's a place where God enlarges our capacity so that we can contain the presence of God and the blessings of God. We, we want the gifts of the Spirit to operate in our lives, but i got to tell you something. In order for you to advance in the gifts of the Spirit, you've got to go to the place of threshing where that which holds you back and, and, with, and, and uh, restricts you from operating the gifts of the Spirit is removed because it's not God that's holding you back. It is your soul that is holding you back. It is your attitudes that's holding It's It's our human nature that holds us back from the things of God. And when, when we don't deal with that, then the things of God are restrained and withheld from us, not because God is withholding it, but because that which has been restraining us, our soul has not been dealt with, has not been removed. David had to come to a place. See, David left the blessing of God in the place of threshing because he became offended at God. He became offended at what God did. He became offended at what God required, and he became afraid of the presence of God, and he left the presence of God and Obed-Edom and refused to bring it home with him. See, a lot of us have pressed in with God, and we've experienced things with God, and, and the blessings of God begin to move in our life, and the first thing we met was opposition, and at that point, that, that opposition was too much. We didn't like it. We got upset. We left it. We got afraid, and we built God a little house right there where we met him, and we said, okay, you stay here, and I'll go on home. Just, I just want to know that you're there. I just want to know that you're there, but I don't want you close to me because I don't trust you. Because I pressed in and I started fasting and praying, and the first thing happened was, was that all kinds of stuff broke out against me. And we get to, and, and because of that, we back up, and that is the limit that we can get to. For the rest of our time, we press in with God, we come to that place, hit it, and we back right up. We press in, we come to that place and hit it, and we back. We can't seem to get past that place. But the only way to get past that place is to humble yourself like David did. And David got to doing some research, and he, he said, okay, I think I did this kind of wrong. I think maybe I need to repent. I think I need to humble myself. And so he did some research and found out how the ark should be carried, and he took the priests back with him, and he took some poles back with him, and he put the, the ark on the backs of the priests, and they carried it, and they went 
singing and rejoicing into, the, uh, into Jerusalem, and they brought the presence of God and the blessing of God back home with them because they had to go back where they left it. They had to go back to the encounter that cost them, and they had to go back and confront that and face that. If we're not willing to go back to the place where we got disappointed, go back to the place where we got, we got injured in some way or, or we got offended in some way, you're never going to be able to get closer to God until you go back to that threshing floor and let the wind of God blow the chaff out of your life and get things right with God. We can't press in. We can't go any further until we humble ourselves and say, God, I'm willing to let you throw me in the air and blow your breath over me and blow the chaff out of me. I'm willing to go back and, be, and receive the blessing of God. But a lot of us don't understand that we have, we have left God in a, in a little house where we, we, we keep him housed in a safe place. I've had so many tell me, people tell me, say, you know, I, I, I started trying to really, really uh, move in with God, and all hell broke out against my life. And that's, that's what I get for, move, for trying to move in with God. Well, you should have stuck with it. It wasn't all hell breaking out against you. It was your human nature being confronted. And you wasn't willing to pay the price. You wasn't willing to let go. The wind was blowing and you wasn't willing to submit yourself to God. And so you had to leave and go away offended. I got to tell you something. Every move you make with God, every progression you make with God is going to, the first thing's going to happen is, woo, glory, that feels good. The second thing's going to happen is, okay, it's time to go to the wilderness. Jesus got baptized, came up and, thank God the, my vocal cords are working. Amen. Jesus got baptized, and when he come up out of the water, all the kingdom of heaven came down on him. I mean, all the power of God came down out of heaven and sit upon him in the form of a dove. I mean, the, the, very, in, the very presence of God came into his life, and, and it was exciting. It was wow. And, and the next thing happened was the, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the awesomeness of God, drove him into the wilderness for 40 days to starve and be tested. Why? Because he was there to pay the price for the fall of humanity, the fall of Adam, and how can he do? You can't, you can't bring healing to the hurting unless you felt the pain. Amen. That's good preaching right there. Ain't going to sell any books, but it's good preaching. If we... If we understand that there's going to, life's going to, life's going to cause you problems anyway, amen. And why, why would we waste the pain? Every time something bad happens, people run, run away from God and say, I can't believe God let this happen to me. Stop doing that. Start running to God and saying, God, I want to take this opportunity to get the chap blown out of my life since it's happening anyway. I want to humble myself before you and let you purge me and prepare me. And God, I want to come out of this thing with something to give. 
Come on, somebody. I want to come out of this thing with something to offer. Not wounded and offended and complaining the rest of my life because I was done wrong. I want to come out of this thing. I'm not going to waste the pain. I'm not going to waste the threshing floor. I'm not going to run away from it. I'm going to humble myself. And God, if you have to beat the, the, the chaff out of me, then do it so that I can get past this thing. Amen. Just because you're anointed, just because you're called of God anointed, don't mean you get to escape everything. What it, what it actually means is you get to pay the price. You get to be the first one in. Amen. <laughs> you, get to be, you get to be the one that wades into the water and the flooding, flooding water like the priest when they went across the, the river that was flooding into the promised land. And God said, send the priest in there and, and tell them to wade out into the flooding water. Oh, yeah, praise God. Isn't that awesome? That's wonderful. I'm called of God. God's going to bless me. God's going God's to give me power, and God's going to do all these things. Okay, yeah, I am, but go wade off into the deep. And trust me. Wow. That's different, isn't it? Come on, somebody. you got to pay a price. There, we call it paying a price. Actually, it's, it's receiving a deliverance. David, again, had to go back in, in, in the 21st chapter of, of the book of 1 Chronicles. Again, David, the Satan filled his heart to number the people. In other words, Satan filled his heart to become prideful and self-exalted, and he wanted to number the people. And Joab confronted him and said, don't do it. This, this is, man, this stinks. Well, that's what we would say. Joab said, I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to number the people because he saw that it was evil. And, and, and David, it, you know, doing a census among the people wasn't the problem. It was the fact that David cooperated with Satan. And when he took sides with Satan and pride filled his heart, God turned against him. Thank God I'm in the New Testament. Amen. My heavenly father will jerk me up and whoop me, but he's not going to kill me. Under the Old Testament, Old Covenant, under Almighty God, you mess up. Pick another one. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was rough. They had laws back then. But today, God will, God will jerk you up and whoop you and talk to you. Amen. Don't mean you get by with it. But thank God we, we have an opportunity. David, David had to go back to the threshing floor. I'm not getting this preached the way I want to preach it. You should have been here last Thursday morning. Man, it was awesome. It was, it, was, it was good stuff. I asked God, I said, now is this for me or is this for the church? And then it never would answer me, so I'm preaching it to you. So he said, God told him, he said, you got to go to the threshing floor, and when you get there, you got to offer an offering. And he went to the threshing floor, and the guy that, that owned the flesh, thresh, Onan, I think it was his name, Onan, Onan, I don't know how you exactly how you pronounce it, but he went to the threshing floor, and, and after I got through reading this, I, w I, I said, God, I wish I had a threshing floor to sell. Because he went to the threshing floor, 
And he said, I have to offer, I want to buy this threshing floor. Why a threshing floor? Why did God send him back to the threshing floor? It's symbolic of the fact that there has to be a cleansing and a purging in our life in order to move on. Amen. And so he went back and he went to the threshing floor. And on on, he said, oh, no. He said, I'm not going to let you buy it. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the wheat. I'm going to give you the oxen. I'm going to give you the instruments for, for fire. I'm going to give everything to you. And David said, no, I will not offer to God of that which does not cost me. I'm going to pay full price. In other words, David said, no more shortcuts. No more trying to do this my way. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to humble myself before God. And when you figure up the, the gold shekels that, that David paid Onan for that threshing floor, in today's economy, it would equal $600,000. And David, David paid $600,000 for a threshing floor so that he could offer sacrifice unto God so that, so that the plague that had come against them could be stayed. And that is the place where they ended up buying, building the temple. I mean, there is so much that began to happen there. But we got to understand today that if you want to grow with God, if we want a revival, I hear people talking about we want a move of God, we want a revival. Well, when that revival comes, the first thing's going to happen is all the junk's going to come to the top. And that's what most churches don't get past. When the junk starts coming to the top, we get disappointed. We think, man, everything's going, going to pieces and everything's going bad instead of going good. Well, the first thing that happens in a move of God is the junk starts coming to the top and we start getting cleaned up. And that's when revival has come. Amen. I got to tell you something. Revival started in this area several months ago. Matter of fact, last year, revival started, but we, ha we have a hard time seeing it because most of what we see is a bunch of junk coming to the top, a bunch of things come in the service, and those that have been called and anointed for this time are still in the threshing floor getting the, the chaff beat out of them. And we're saying, God, where is the move of God? He says, oh, look at the threshing floor, man. I'm, get, I'm, I'm moving powerfully. It's happening. We think revival's when, when we start seeing the manifestation of the glory of God. No, revival is when we go back to the place we left God and we re reinstate him in our lives and we go forward with him and we pay the price and we say, God, I'm not going to hold back anything any longer. See, it's easy to get offended with God and to move on, but when you move on, you move on in oppression. Oppression is a heaviness that makes it that restricts movement. And how many how many Christians are living in oppression today in a place where movement of God is restricted in their life. Now there are three aspects to the fullness of God. I've been talking about them. The number one is to be spiritually full. That's the greatest power of prosperity that there is, to be spiritually full. Number two is to be mentally and physically whole. That, that's, that's what God wants to bring into the body of Christ is wholeness. 
Amen. Mental and physical wholeness. And the third level is financial and provisional flow. So God wants us God wants us to understand that he has all this for us. He wants us to walk in it. He wants us to experience it. But every bit of it is, is, is received through a place of threshing. Oh, man, this, this is a hard sell. Come on, press in with God. He's going to take you to the threshing floor. Woo! But i got to ask you something. How much do you want out of the oppression? How bad do you want out of the oppression? Oppression restricts movement. It restricts the movement of the Spirit of God, number one. It restricts the movement of healing, number two, where we're sick and infirm all the time. And it restricts the movement and flow of financial provision where we're broken, miserable. And that is the power of oppression that comes on us and just restricts us and keeps us from moving forward with God. And and. The only way out of that is to get up and say, God, I got to go back to the place where I left you, where you asked something of me that I wasn't willing to do, where you did something that offended me or scared me. I got to go back to that place. I'm not going to waste the pain. I'm not going to continue to walk in this oppression any longer. I'm going to go back there. I'm going to get free, and I'm going to walk out singing and rejoicing in the presence of God because that's what you've called me to. That's what you've blessed me with. I was in a meeting that was supposed to be, it was billed as, as a prophetic meeting. And the minute I got there, I thought, God, help us. I mean, I began to agonize the minute I got there. There was so much oppression. That place was so oppressed. People were so oppressed. And the people that are supposed to be prophesying and, you know, be prophets, they would call people up and say, you know, I'm not sure if this is a word from God, but I'm going to give it to you, and I'm, I think this is the way. And I was sitting there just miserable. I said, oh, God, get me out of here. God, help me, because I can't stand that oppression. It is an enemy of the body of Christ, and it's a very deceptive enemy because we don't know that it's happening. It's not like an attack where we, it's obvious. It's just a restriction of movement. Nothing seems to be happening in our lives. We can't seem to walk in the presence of God. We can't seem to get healed in our bodies or in our minds. We can't seem to have any provision. Every time God blesses us, the devil takes it away from us. Restriction of the movement of God. And that is oppression. You can be a Christian and be oppressed. Amen. Matter of fact, there are so many children of God that are that are serving God but they've become so familiar with oppression they think it's normal they think it's they matter of fact we even think it's God's presence sometimes we think it's God you know showing up when it's just heavy and it's and it just restricts us and it takes away from us I got to tell you something the presence of God is is going to either it's going to do one of two things it's either going to blow the chaff out of your life or it's going to empower you to function and to give 
give. Every time you go through a place of threshing, you come out of there with something to give. You come out of there with a gift. You come out of there with a blessing. You come out of there with something to transform somebody's life with. That place of threshing, that place where if we respond in the wrong way, in that place, then we enter into oppression. But if we respond in the right way, we come out singing and rejoicing and seeing the presence of God. You see this in everybody's life that moves into the things of God. Every time you go through the threshing floor, you come out with a gift to give somebody. And I believe it's time for the church to go back to the place we left God, go back to the place we left the presence of God, go back to the place where we were offended and scared and disappointed and go back to that place and say, God, blow this thing out of me. Get me ready. Get my flesh ready. And let's get on with this thing and see the presence of God. Can you hear? understand what I'm saying? today. See, before, before Peter could go at, with the gospel to the Gentiles, God had to take him to the threshing floor on top of a house in a dream and in a vision. God had to confront his attitude toward the Gentiles before he could bring the gospel. But when it all was said and done, Peter got up and went and began to preach the gospel and the Holy Ghost fell on the Gentiles. And that's why we're here tonight is because somebody went to the threshing floor and successfully came out on the other side with the presence of God and was able to bring the gospel. If Peter hadn't went there, he would have never been able to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. If God hadn't confronted his attitude, Apostle Paul when he was Saul, thought he was doing the work of God. And then one day he found a threshing floor on a road called Emmaus. And God, God confronted him, knocked him off his high horse, rubbed his face in the dirt, and said, what do you see now? But out of that, Saul became Paul the apostle. Saul the persecutor became Paul the apostle. We've got to stop fearing the confrontation of God's presence. See, we want the glory and manifestation of his presence, but we're afraid of the confrontation of his presence. When things start going wrong in your life, when you're pressing in and you're wanting more of God and things start going wrong in your life, don't fight it, submit to it. not easy to swallow, is it? Say, God, I don't understand. I don't know why, but I do know this. I want all of you that I can get. And I want to come out of this thing with something to give. I know what it's like as a pastor to find yourself in a place where, where you don't have anybody to turn to, where everything has gone wrong in your life and you don't have anybody to turn to, and, there's, and it seems like there's no, nobody, there's nothing out there. And you find yourself lonely and beat up 
and exhausted and wonder where, you know, what, how am I going to do this? What's going to happen? The threshing floor isn't always a pleasant place. But the glory of God is just on the other side. The blessing of God is just on the other side. If we can just hang in there, if we can just get through that little piece of property called a threshing floor, then the presence of God is just on the other side. I don't know about you, but I want to get through this one more time. And then the next thing God does in my life, I want to get through it one more time. Everything that I've ever done for God has always been preceded with a time of threshing. It took me two years to get to Rwanda after God told me to go. And it was, it was a, a terrible time. It was all kinds of stuff. But I finally got there. And today there's a big ministry there. And they're growing. And they're being blessed. And even though the government tried to shut them down, God blessed us to open them back up. Come on, somebody. Amen. I mean, this, this little church helped open a whole ministry back up in Rwanda that the government was trying to shut down. Hallelujah. I mean, think about that. We, we don't have a big organization backing us. I've, t I've had people tell me it's impossible what you're doing. You can't do what you're doing. I say, yeah, but that's what God does. He does the impossible. But you gotta be able to, you got to be able to walk through that place of threshing in order to get to the presence and the glory. Stand with me today. I know this ain't been one of those services where you just feel like shouting now. <laughs> Amen. But the presence of God is there. The presence of God is there. It's just waiting. The blessing is waiting at the threshing floor. If we can just go back. If we can just humble ourselves and just go back to that place. And say, God, cleanse my attitude. Cleanse my nature. Change me that I can be useful in your kingdom. Father, we just thank you today. Lord, I just ask you to take these words, Lord, and put them in the hearts of people. Father, I ask you to translate it the way you translated it to me, Father. I just ask you to translate it into our hearts that we understand and know. Father, the things that happen to us, Lord, there are so many things in this life that are going to go wrong. Help us not to waste the pain, Lord God. Help us to, to offer it to you, Lord God, so that we can come out on the other side with something to offer and something to give. Father, I just pray today that you bring us to a place of the presence and glory of God. Thank you, Father, for your presence and your glory.